Hey guys, a uh, quick note here. After John and I recorded, we uh, we decided to uh, cut this into two episodes. So um, look for part two to come out next week. Um, there was just too much content here, frankly, to, to, to uh, keep it to one. So um, this episode, uh, we'll get into productivity and flow, uh, managing flow at work, uh, some practical applications there. We hope you can use uh, your relationship with your calendar, uh, your relationship with peak performance, uh, uh, controlling your controllables, and uh, your locus of control, the title of the episode. So um, yeah, with that, enjoy. Welcome to Finding Flow, where your hosts George Russian and John Honeycutt guide you on topics related to finding and achieving the optimal state of human consciousness known as flow state. They will share principles of neuroscience and peak performance, offering practical takeaways and actionable challenges to support you in finding your flow. Hi everyone, welcome to episode three. Uh, of Finding Flow. I'm George Russian. I'm here with uh, my lovely, lovely, lovely co-host, John Honeycutt. You'll have to trust me. You're, this is audio, but this is, he's a good looking man. He's here. I'm, uh, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling lovely today. Thank you. Good morning, George. <laughs> good morning, everyone. It's morning, by the way. We're doing the uh, podcast in the morning now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which, so far, so good. Through, uh, through 30 seconds, I, 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 I'm not regretting that decision to, to move to the morning time. Uh, how Two are you? Thumbs up for me. <laughs> Uh, what have you been up to, John? Um, well, a lot has been working with what we're going to talk about today, like working on my energy and working on kind of dancing with biology. The big focus for me recently has been sleep and active recovery. Uh, had a little bit of a energetic crash at the midpoint of last week. And so working to build that back up and have tons of energy. And I'm happy to report, got a 10 readiness on my HRV this morning. I had the best night of sleep I've had in literally three months. And I know because I'm tracking with my aura ring. So uh, you guys just buckle up. I'm I'm at full full volume today. I'm at 11. <laughs> um, uh, good. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, if, you're, yeah, if your HRV score, that would be a good joke, maybe on a- April 1st or something, they could have your, your HRV score could be 11. That would be for, for, I don't know. I feel like I'm, a, I'm dating myself. Probably, I don't know how many people have seen Spinal Tap at this point, but um, if you haven't, um, <laughs> good, good movie. So, so anyway, uh, uh, this week we are going to talk about uh, a couple, couple kind of like big, big, um, uh, uh, big things for us, which John kind of alluded to. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, how we kind of dance with our biology. That's how we're, that's how we're choosing to, to put it out there. So. Um, uh, talking about the quality of our energy and different cognitive rhythms and uh, HRV, which uh, John had mentioned, we'll, we'll talk about that and with uh, some specificity um, and uh, and some of the rhythms and things that we create. So we're going to talk about and talk about our bio- biology, and then we're also going to talk about uh, navigating uh, our flow cycle and and. And, and we'll probably start with like what what defining that and um, and some things that we do to uh, to kind of create uh, yeah to, to, to we'll define that and kind of talk about how that's created in the first place before and then we'll, we'll kind of dive into yeah navigating our our, our flow cycle so um, that's what's in store um, John I gotta me. say George I'm I'm really really excited for this episode <laughs> both for you and I because I know these topics these two big topics are really near and dear to our hearts and our 
way that we live our lives. And it, I think for our listeners, it's just going to be a really um, useful conversation uh, because it's, it's at the core of what we've been talking about with regard to what I'm calling natural performance, where you're kind of working with life, you're working with your nervous system, you're working with your biology, you're taking your shots when it makes sense to take your shots and you're not pushing through, you're not hustling and grinding. And if there's anything that I want our listeners to get out of participating with this on this, participating with us on this podcast journey is like getting out of that grindy, pushy, forcey, hustly way of life. And I think this conversation will be useful for that. Yes. Yes. Agreed. I think this will be useful in that way for, uh, for lots of, Lots of reasons, lots of reasons, lots of reasons. Um, uh, so I, I think the f- uh, first thing we want to jump into is talking about um, the quality of our energy. Uh, and uh, I, I think, John, as, as, you, as, as you described it, is, is quality of energy as a, a, as a, using it as a, as a leverage point. So something that's distinct from time <clears throat> and um, um, how we, uh, yeah. How, how, I guess how we use that on a daily basis. So I'll, I'll let you jump in first and then I have some thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, I think that, you know, think about how you answer um, a meeting request. Typically, you look into the future on your calendar and you think about how much time am I going to have, you know, next Thursday at 2 p.m. What we don't often do is how much energy am I going to have next Thursday at 2 p.m. We are always looking for time to be the sort of force multiplier for our actions and our performance and our productivity. And with this conversation, this whole concept of dancing with your biology, uh, we are suggesting that looking at energy is just as important, excuse me, if not more important than time. Because you may have 60 minutes available, but if your energy, like from a biorhythmic perspective, is at a really, really low point, that's probably not the right time to do the thing. Uh, So looking at energy curation, energy cultivation, and energy management. You know, there's a million books on time management. But if we don't at least give equal value to energy management, I think we're missing a huge, huge part of the equation. And the last thing I'll say on this, George, is that time is, a, by the way we define it, a discrete and finite resource. You know, in an hour, you've got 60 minutes, and it's never going to be more. You can't be more creative about how you get more time. You can bring a hundred times more energy to something. So energy is one of those things that you can get that leverage point. You can get a multiplier by really cultivating and creating and being intentional about energy. I uh, uh, I like that. What what I and to to kind of um, uh, add to that. Uh, what I was thinking about when we were talking about like this this uh, particular point are ways that we can. Um, we can create kind of a canvas. <clears throat> we can we can enable that that canvas to be there when we when we need it uh, for uh, um, uh, for quality energy, and and uh, I I think that actually comes from some of the some of the the um, time management and the rigor and things that we that that you that you mentioned um, because while you know on a Thursday afternoon a week from now you might not know. Uh, how much energy you're going to be able to bring to a meeting or a presentation or uh, whatever it is that you have going on, uh, you can be intentional about your diet for the that week. Uh, you can be intentional about how much sleep you're getting. Absolutely, uh, you can be intentional you know, about your exercise, etc. So that 
when you get to that point, you 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 kind of maximize your opportunity, the, uh, the the likelihood uh, that you'll you know you'll be in that in that good state. Not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but um, psychologists talk about locus of control, a mindset that empowers people, and having an internal locus of control is that you are in charge of your life, that you have, that you're at the cause of the things happening in your life versus being at the effect of. An external locus of control, on the other hand, would be that you are kind of a victim of something. You're at the effect of something else in life. Um, and I think most people, they don't think about cultivating time. They're, they typically, in my experience, have an external locus of control when it comes to time. And generally, when there's <clears throat> a reason why they haven't produced something or performed in a certain way, time is generally at the top of the list in terms of what was missing. Um, and so we have this relationship with time, like I'm either going to have it or I won't. What I want to encourage our listeners to think about is how we approach energy. Now, I think that we should have an internal locus of control about both time and energy. But in this conversation, really looking at energy as something that you're not just checking the bank balance for Thursday at 2 p.m. next week. No, you're actually being responsible for making sure there's energy there. And so all the things that you talked about, George, from sleep to nutrition to movement to hydration to meditation and relaxation just to curate and cultivate and store up an abundance of energy that then you can use on the things that you're committed to and what's important to you i i uh, i like that i i i am familiar with the locus the locus of control that that terminology and the, and the the last thing i'll say on this is i think that um divorcing the thing that's out there we've we've talked about uh offline before kind of like uh uh what is it called like eating the frog uh so to speak right get getting that that kind of the crappy thing out of the way uh as soon as you can uh during the day and then and then that kind of sets you up for the rest for the rest for the rest of your you know the rest of your day to kind of knock some stuff out sometimes you can't uh necessarily swallow the frog if you you know if your meeting is next thursday it's going to be hanging out there and so the trap can be well from now until whenever that, you know, when that meeting comes up, uh, you know, I'm going to kind of live in this, in this anxious state waiting for this thing to happen. And, and I don't have any control over what's going to happen. And I don't, I don't, whatever, I don't know what's going to happen in that, in that, that time box of, of an hour or whatever it is when really you can control everything from now until then. And when you flip that and you, and you, you kind of, I don't know, you put, put a number on it. Well, really I can control about 95% of the things that are going to happen. More than that, probably. You can control about 99% of the things that are going to happen. You can control all these, all your preparation. You can control your diet, your exercise, all the things we talked about. And then when I come to that meeting, I'm going to be as absolutely prepared as I, as I possibly can. I'm actually in a position to do, to do great at whatever it is, you know, whatever I, I'm, I'm, it is that I, I'm set out to do. And that, for me personally, has been a mindset switch that is, has uh, taken a lot of the angst out of um, things like that. That like mm -hmm. we talked about. Yeah, thank you, George. I love the folk. You created this really beautiful distinction between performance and preparation. And I assert that when the time comes, when this we keep talking about next Thursday at two p.m. But let's say when that happens, you're going to perform the way you're going to perform. I think where most people put, you know, the eighty twenty, where they put their eighty or plus percent attention, is on the performance next Thursday at two p.m. I would have them switch that. Put 90, 95, 99% of your attention on the preparation, 
because the performance is going to take care of itself. If you've cultivated in this conversation, we're talking about energy. So if you've cultivated an appropriate energetic frame for that, and you talked about both physiological, like things of the body, like rest and eating and, and the rest, uh, and psychological, like not allowing anxiety or depression or frustration or stress to bring your energy down. If you've prepared appropriately, then the performance is almost guaranteed. There may be things to adjust in your game for sure. But um, I think where I'd have most people focus is, are you building up big bank balances of energy for the times that you really need to perform at your highest? Yeah, um, I, I agree. I've, I've looked, I, I feel like this could have been, we, we, could, we could probably talk about this for an hour. Uh, this is interesting stuff. I, I, um, uh, okay, one more thing. But this, <laughs> this is, uh, I know um, um, uh, we've, uh, we've talked about um, uh, I, I, I want to say we've talked about uh, Jocko Willink on the show, but maybe not, but may, maybe not. But anyway, Jocko Willink is a uh, former Navy SEAL. He's got his own podcast and talks about mindset and all sorts of things. And, and um, uh, one thing I heard him mention one time uh, was how the, uh, the notion of like rising to the occasion is kind of uh, pretend uh, in a way, like you, you uh, uh, there's room for that, right? Like, uh, uh, Michael Jordan might score, you know, 50 points and really important, well, would have, right? He doesn't play anymore. But anyway, Michael Jordan, you know, he scores 50 points in a really important game or something like that. And so he's, he's risen to the occasion. But um, what, where that comes from is what, you know, what John had talked about is the preparation. Really what we do is we, uh, as people, is we default to what we've trained ourselves to do. So um, everything you're talking about, John, about preparing, preparing, preparing for that event uh, that's what actually allows us to uh, do well in the meeting or do well in the game or whatever is all the all the preparation beforehand because frankly the whole world could be on the line and if you put me on a basketball court I would score zero points because I am it doesn't matter how much I need it or how much I'm gonna rise to the occasion or any, right anything like that it, it's it's about the, the the preparation and so um, I'm glad that you uh, uh, put the focus there I love the reference to the SEAL teams because one of the SEAL philosophies is that you will default to the level of your training. And so I think for all of the people listening, looking at things like morning and evening routines, looking at how you're doing your, your movement and exercise and your workouts, what you're eating is less about how you look in the mirror and your physique and your six pack and is more about what's your default level of training and readiness so that when life comes at you and you weren't expecting it, and now you need to rise to the occasion that you've got that, that leverageable resource of energy at your disposal. I assert that moderate performers or average performers talk about time. Peak performers and elite performers talk about and think about energy. So if you take anything from this conversation is that managing your energy is your path to the next level. Um, let's, let's stay here. So managing that path to the next level, I, I think the next thing we wanted to talk about was some e like energy rhythms and um, uh, you made some, some, some notes about some things that you wanted, wanted to discuss here, John, what are some things that we can do to kind of, to kind of keep keep things going when when maybe um, you're not necessarily in the right headspace for flow or you're not you're you're it's not it's it's not happening uh, kind of yeah. quote unquote right now. 
I mean, I think just like having a little bit of cognitive awareness of how your body's energy rhythms work both on, you know, within the day, throughout the week, across the course of a month or a season or a year is useful because what we're trying to have people not do is I'm going to bring the same level of performance and I'm going to push no matter what. If I'm feeling great, I'm going to push. If I'm feeling really depleted, I'm going to push. That will just lead to worse performance, burnout, and ultimately breaking or quitting or something. It's not the optimal state that we're going for. So I think people can look at things like their chronotype. You know, some people are um, uh, morning people. Some people are night owls. Some people are in the middle. You can go online and Google chronotype test and you can get a sense. Most people, I think, have an idea. A lot of the people that I coach, George, um, they're not morning people. And yet they have this idea because of the self-help and performance books that say the 5 a.m. club and you've got to be up and start your morning routine at a certain time. And they struggle with that for a long time. I would say let that go. If you work best in the evenings and it's better for you to stay up till 2, 2 a.m. and then get up at 10, do that. So like start identifying how your body's natural energy rhythms work and then build your life around that to the degree that you can. Yeah, I love that. I I, I think that's great. I think it's also important to keep in mind. Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, for me, I think about this is that uh, as uh, as men and as women, we kind of uh, men and women have different have different um, uh, biological cycles, right? So, um, uh, for for me, uh, the world is kind of built around. Uh, men, right? So we kind of start off in the morning with with our work or whatever, and then we go to bed at night, and that's it's kind of this twenty four hour cycle where um, uh, women work on a, on a on a monthly on a monthly cycle. And this is something that I I, I, I I'll put it in I'll have to put it in the notes. But um, Heather, my wife, uh, and I were listening to a book on this uh, not not too long ago, and it's it's funny how often this will cre- this uh, creates kind of just different differences in the way that uh, men and men, men men and women maybe work or peak during the day. Um, and it's uh, it was actually like uh, fascinating, and it and it uh, it pointed to um, where I I am like cognitively pretty much fried uh, by about five or six p.m. and my wife is sharp as attack. Uh, and like, why is that? Why is she not <laughs> start as I am? And that's we're we're expending our energies, uh, different ways over the, over the course of the, over the course of the day, or even over the course of a, a longer cycle, like a month. And so, um, uh, that was, that was eye opening to me. I, I hadn't really considered how differently, you know, two different people could even, could even experience the same, you know, 24 hour block of time. Mm-hmm. If you, if you look even seasonally, uh, a lot of our a lot of the energy that we get is based on hormones in our body and hormones are released based on circadian rhythms, you know, so when the sun goes down, certain hormones are released. And if everything is natural, you start getting sleepy and wanting to go to bed. And when the sun comes up and your eyelid or your eyes are getting the, the sunlight coming into it, all of a sudden you're releasing other, you have a natural cortisone boost in the morning. One of the things as a sort of a takeaway is I stopped drinking my morning coffee within the first 30 to 45 minutes of waking up. Because if you do that, you start to shunt your cortisol response in the morning. And it's a way of uh, sort of blunting your body's natural energetic rhythm. So that's just one little free takeaway. Don't have that coffee when you first wake up. Have a couple glasses of water instead. But if you look at how the sun works 
throughout the seasons. You know, there's a difference between what a day looks like in the middle of summer versus in the middle of winter. And a lot of people start to give themselves a lot of guilt around, <clears throat> I'm not as energetic in the dark of winter as I am in the, the blistering heat of summer. That's actually natural. And that's what we're talking about is how can you be responsible for bringing greater performance when you have greater energy and then creating a more compassionate relationship to your energy and your performance, you know, when the days are shorter and it gets dark earlier and kind of working with that rather than working against it. Um, I, 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 lo I, I, I love that. I think, um, uh, so, some other things, I, I want to talk about a couple things that like some practical things that folks can do to actually, um, kind of get out, get out of the, get out of the, get out of a funk, so, so to speak. And, um, I know I'd, I'd written some, some stuff down, uh, uh, what what do you, what what do you do, John, in or, in order to, uh, you know, you're, you've you've been behind the desk for a couple hours or something like that, you know that you're blocked, uh, so to speak, mentally, or you're just not, you know, you're not uh, all in on whatever you're working on or whatever. Like, what what do you do to kind of break up that 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 cycle to uh, and to, to kind of and, and start anew. Yeah, I think just awareness of that word, just awareness that it's a cycle is a good starting point. For me, I am an early bird, so I do my best work between 4 a.m. and 7 a.m. Um, and so I am usually in my bedroom around 8 o'clock and usually asleep by 8.30 or 9, which probably doesn't sound very exciting, but that's, that's part of how I honor this. Um, I align my most important tasks in the morning so that I can bring the highest level of energy and my highest quality to those. Uh, I, then there's, you know, there's rhythms that happen, not just with how you're sleeping and your chronotype, but there's just natural energy rhythms. Then you can go probably 120 to 150 minutes of pushing really hard and performing. And then you need about a 30 minute break. So for me, I use something called Pomodoro timing, which a, a number of our listeners will know about where I'm just like setting a clock, and generally for me, I go about 50 minutes at a time and then I'll take a 10 minute break. So even if I've identified a three hour block where I'm going to do what Cal Newport would say is like deep work, or I'm going to try to get into a flow state, uh, I'll break that into three discrete pieces and I'm doing different practices in between. So one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to stop working. I'm going to stand up. Um, I... am a big fan of Brennan Burchard and he talks about something called the RTSI or release tension, set intention. And it could be that I just do some like, you know, calisthenics, I do some jumping jacks, I'll do some air squats, I'll, I'll, you know, wrap my arms around my body and just like do some huggers or whatever. I might jump up and down on the balls of my feet. It looks pretty silly, you know, but I'm like building my energy back up. And it's letting my mind get off of whatever it was that I was really focused on. And then I'll do maybe some breathing exercises, just, you know, five to 10 minutes. I might go use the restroom. I might go get another cup of uh, coffee or get some water or something like that. Change of scenery. And then I'll come back and I'll get really intentional. I'll set an intention for the next 50 minute block. And I've structured my life and my days and my weeks to honor that kind of rhythm. So I'm doing that work, release, work, release consistently, probably 10 or 12 times throughout a day. 
I think that's great. I, I, I want to lock on to a, a piece of what you uh, said there. Uh, almost everything that you mentioned uh, involved kind of changing your, um, uh, how do I want to put this, uh, kind of changing your, your uh, uh, the place that you are <laughs> uh, by a little bit, right? So I, I, um, uh, I use some of the same, uh, same things that you talk about, but I, I always, I try to make sure that I leave my area, I sit at a desk all day. I try to make sure that I leave that area to go do something else, like at a, uh, a, a, a short, uh, kind of kind of make it as short as that. So get up, go to a different room. Uh, I might have a conversation with my wife. I might go get another cup of coffee. I might, whatever it is, I might go for a walk outside. I might go fold some laundry. I, but whatever, right? Like, but I, I try to make sure to... Uh, break up the day with um, as best I can with those type of things that takes my mind completely off of uh, staring straight forward at a screen, uh, working on stuff. Uh, that that is 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 uh, most most helpful. And um, I mean, I was mentioning to John before we got on uh, to to start the podcast today that I felt really good today. I was I was very productive yesterday. Part of my day was I went to I took a like a short drive to go drop off my bike at the bike shop and I had a short conversation <laughs> with some people at the bike shop about, uh, about, uh, bikes and about, uh, some guy was thinking about moving to, uh, the West Seattle area. And we got into a conversation about how to get around town on a bike and all, like all this. And then, and then I came back to work and I did more, uh, more really productive work. And so, um, I, I think just kind of ch- changing your changing the scenery a little bit uh, helps k- kind of like loosen things up. And then when you come back and you you, you can you hunker back down at the desk or whatever how it, whatever it is you do for work, um, you, you have kind of a fr- uh, a fresh uh, go at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that because what I hear and what you just created, George, is like this concept of like a like a NASCAR racer. You know, as much as you want to win the race. And as much as you'd like to just put the pedal to the metal and just drive around all the laps of like a 500 or something, you don't. They've got it scientifically and commercially figured out, like you have to take a pit stop. Now they're doing those pit stops proactively. They're not waiting until the axle breaks or the tire explodes or the oil is out, but they've got it figured out. Like I have to go every so often and take a pit stop. I'm doing it scientifically i'm doing it intentionally and then i get back to work so i love that focus of like interspersing periods of performance with periods of rest and release there's a piece there too in um uh uh, i i work i i my i i I work uh, at at a startup and we develop uh software and so we talk about technical debt and for those not familiar with what tech technical debt is essentially uh a uh, simple example would be like you write kind of uh, bad code, crappy code, but it gets the job done in the short term and you're able to like get from point A to point B. But then you continue developing whatever it is you're developing on top of that and that debt doesn't go away. And eventually you have to go back and, and, uh, and uh, account for that. So you need to re- refactor the code at, at, at some point, for example, right? So uh, for me yesterday... Uh, no matter what, I was going to have to go and drop my bike off and and get it fixed. And so, had I even had I just pushed through the day, and maybe I did that at the end of the day, um, uh, that that uh, that was that would still be there, running in the background 
of my mind throughout the entirety of the day. So would folding the laundry. So would all these other like little uh, tasks that don't show up as like, oh, I'm being productive and like trading hours for dollars and, 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 and contributing to society or whatever these things that you have in your head that you have to do every day. Like you also have to do that stuff. You also have to communicate with your spouse. You also have to communicate with your kids. You also have to, but whatever, right? All this stuff has to get done. Um, and I think taking the, uh, um, this, the high, high, high value of, uh, uh, when I'm when I'm trading hours for dollars, that's the most important thing. Everything else is secondary, and all, like it's that's not tr- that's not uh, true cognitively. Your, your mm-hmm. brain doesn't actually uh, 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 work that way, and so using uh, those other things that you have to do as kind of breaks in the day, so to speak, uh, I found that it uh, it one it helps me be more productive with my actual job. And then two, uh, it helps me be uh, more effective as just as a as a as a person in the world, because I get more done all up. I I love I love that, especially given the world that we're in sort of post COVID and most people are working from home. And so having to juggle, you know, typical career concerns with family and chores and children and homeschooling or whatever is going on for people. But there's a there's a mathematical approach here that you can look at and if you look at it just remember we said there's time and there's energy and again most people are looking at this strictly through the lens of time so if you say okay 60 minutes in an hour versus 50 minutes in an hour well 60 is greater than 50 so taking a break doesn't make sense but when you look at let's just say that the multiplier of energy could be 1x or 2x or 3x now i assert it could be 100x you know, but let's just say it's 3x. If you're managing your energy well by taking breaks and you're running consistently at a 2x or 3x on energy, then 50 minutes times 2 is significantly more productive than 60 minutes times 0.75 or even 1. But what's typically going to happen is that by the fourth or fifth or sixth hour of performance, if you're pushing, you're going to go down and now your energy is at a 0.7. Now it's at a 0.5. By the end of the day, you're going to be at a point two, and you think adding an extra hour is going to make a difference. One other thing where this calculus shows up that, that's interesting is I can work a 14-hour day pretty easily because I still have gas in the tank. So not only are my individual 50-minute blocks operating at a higher quality level or uh, energy level, but I can keep going. I don't have the need to stop. I stop because I want to stop or because I've got something else to do, not because I've run out of gas, because I've driven the car into the ground. Yeah, I, uh, I love that. And I, and I relate as, a, as a, uh, someone who fancies myself as an endurance athlete, uh, certainly on the, uh, on the bike, uh, if you're out for five or six hours, you can't be going full gas the whole time you need to uh, uh, understand how to uh, regulate your energy expenditure, how to refuel as you're, as you are working. Uh, and um, yeah, so that, yeah, re- resonate resonates everywhere. I'm so <laughs> glad you brought that in because the game of peak performance is a marathon. It is an endurance sport. This is not a sprint. This is not about how fast can you go and how much can you push? That's not the point. This is about consistent quality action over time. 
Um, do we want to talk a little bit about cognitive rhythms? I know, I know, we we'd uh, we'd we'd uh, earmark that, but our, yeah, we got. I mean, we, yeah. we've hit on some of the biological rhythms or the physiological, like when you're tired, start to take a break. But there's just an awareness of like I'm churning on a particular work project, and I'm not, I'm all of a sudden my effectiveness has kind of hit a wall. Like start to become aware of that pushing forward in that moment is not the right thing to do. Step back, take a break, do one of those release tension, set intention, RTSIs, go take a quick walk, take a shower. If you're working from home, it would be weird if you're at the office. But like figure out some way of stepping back from what you're doing. Don't push through, don't have that fifth cup of coffee, you know, don't burn it out to get it done. Like start to develop a relationship with yourself where you know when to pull back. I, one more thing I'll, I'll add to this is I, I think that, um, uh, like as I'm listening to us to his talk, the the uh, uh, the the corporate worker in, my, in me is is like well is saying like well what what if I what if I have meetings all day or what if I have all this work to do or what how do I how do I disengage for even ten minutes right that seems impossible sometimes because what like when would I do it and and I and I think that um, for me the um, uh, I make it a point to put things like uh, I'm going to drop my bike off at the whatever at the, <laughs> at the bike shop. Uh, I put it on my calendar, and that's time that uh, um, uh, is it it, it. it I I account for that. I account for that professionally, and I'm uh, I would say probably blessed enough to be, to work at a, a, a work with a bunch of folks that are kind of on the, of the of the same mind. Um, uh, as, as far as that goes. But, um, I, I think putting that, even if it is, if it's just time to release, if it's lunch, uh, if whatever it is, like if it's a block of time that isn't necessarily like, um, uh, productive for the company, so to speak, put that on your calendar, honor it, honor that, honor that time block, allow yourself to step away. So you at least start to build in what we're talking about into your day incrementally. And, a um, couple things around this. One, practically speaking, uh, for a lot of folks, if you're managing a calendar, for instance, at work, like a, an Outlook calendar or something, uh, you can put blocks of time on your calendar and you can set it so that it just says busy. And it for anybody, it could be a meeting, it could be an internal meeting, it could be whatever it is. Um, uh, uh, so you could you use that. Two, uh, there are ways that you could... Um, uh, uh, I, I, I leverage... Uh, internal meetings that I look forward to uh, at, at work. So if I, I, there are certain people that I absolutely love working with, uh, and so um, I'll I'll put those meetings with those folks at uh, strategically at different times in the day, uh, so that while I am uh, I'm absolutely working, I'm getting stuff done for the company, um, but uh, uh, it, it's still a release. I can be I can be pretty free in the conversation. We can chat about things that are you know non-work and joke around a little bit, and you know yes. We get we accomplish the task at hand and, and we and we move things forward. But um, I, I position those meetings strategically so I can unplug a little bit in between, you know, something that might be more rigorous, like a a client meeting or something where you, you feel like you know you have to be a little more buttoned up. You have to watch what you say. You have to you know accomplish very very specific uh, you know objectives during that uh, during that that block of time. So uh, those are a couple things that I'll just say uh, to, to sum up. One, put personal stuff on your calendar and honor those blocks of time. And then two, um, try to leverage the parts of, of your uh, your kind of corporate work that you like absolutely love. Um, if you have any control whatsoever over when that uh, when those occur, 
use that, position them in, in parts of the day where you're going to allow yourself to kind of quote unquote unplug a little bit and maybe chat with somebody at work and connect with somebody at work that, you know, you're getting work done, but you're also, you know, unplugging a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I love that the conversation is moving in this direction because for those of our listeners who are dealing with corporate America or corporate work, wherever they're at in the world, um, you know, first, I just want to say, like, I'm sensitive to that there there is some degree of uh, not having full autonomy. Like, you you work for a company, there are expectations in terms of showing up for certain meetings, or in today's world, that's super hyper-collaborative, being on Slack or Teams or something like that. And I, I appreciate that. That said, George, what I loved about what you said is you demonstrated a very strong internal locus of control, because while, yes, you do have to work within the corporate guidelines and you have to work with your supervisors and your colleagues, you talked a lot about taking control of your calendar. So I would really like encourage people to get clear on that they are in control of how that goes. And you're actually, it requires a, like a real rigorous commitment to understanding what it is that you're producing. I'm just take a second with this. Cause I think most people don't get why they're working they don't get what they're getting paid for. You're not getting paid for spending 60 minutes in an hour focused on your job. That's not why you're hired. That's not what you're paid for. That's not what your performance review is about. You're not getting paid to go to those 20 meetings each week. That's not what you're there for. You're there to produce a specific quality output. Most people are not super in touch with that because if they were, they'd be able to get over this hump and say, well, I can't produce the output because I'm in so many meetings. They would be able to go to their supervisors and have conversations where they could enroll them in for me to produce even more outputs. I want to triple or 10x my productive output, but it's going to require me being offline from Slack for three hours in the morning, or it's going to require me not going to this team meeting and giving a status email instead. There are so many techniques that we can use that will free people up so that they can be way more productive and effective and follow these energetic and psychological rhythms that we've been talking about. But it requires a one, a willingness to actually have some locus of control here. Not just throw up your hands in frustration and say, no, John and George, you just don't understand. That's the way it is in my company. I, I, I do service tickets and therefore, you know, I've got to be on Slack all day long. Okay. Well, you've basically abdicated that particular game. Peak performance would have you take a different route. Um, The World Health Organization and Gallup have done surveys on the average Western knowledge worker, and the average knowledge worker in an eight-hour day gets 11 minutes of focus time. That's abysmal. They get 2.2 hours of actual work, and there's 70% of them are burnt out or highly disengaged. 44% are fully distracted by themselves. They're distracted by going on social media, going on fantasy football, going on news sites. Because when you buy into, I've got to spend time like minute by minute by minute, then all of a sudden you start, typically these behaviors come up where you're distracting yourself. So this is absolutely not what we're wanting to do. We want people to really start leveraging time blocks, leveraging priorities, understanding what's important in what they're producing, and then bringing to bear the greatest amount of energy to hit that. And I assert that in a three-hour time block, you could outperform any of your colleagues if you brought appropriate energy, focus, 
you reduce distractions and you got really, really clear and intentional. What is it that you're producing? Yeah. I'm step, I, down I, my, uh, step down from my <laughs> corporate soapbox for a second. <laughs> no, no, I, I love that. But you, and you point to uh, things that are important. I, I think that, uh, um, uh, in uh, certainly in a corporate setting, the more that you can uh, lead the dance, so to speak, like you set the meeting time, you set the agenda of the meeting, you uh, whatever it is, like if you're if you set, you're setting you're setting your your own schedule, um, uh, it you know points back to what you're talking about is, is yeah like take, taking ownership for of uh, of um, uh, uh, t- taking the lead on, on what you're going to produce. I, I think it puts you in a in a good uh, uh, spot not just not just mentally, um, but I think you I think you that helps uh, people show up a certain way too, um, where you're not uh, on the defensive all the time. Like uh, when it, it's usually not a good sign when people are constantly hounding you for for your work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know so if the the more that you can uh, take control of like when those deadlines are going to happen or are, are going to happen and and uh, when when you'll produce your work and deliver you know delivering on your word and having integrity around those things those are all. Um, uh, those are uh, uh, ways of of um, uh, establishing control and also making it uh, making that make sense for everyone else that you work with. Well, geez, uh, George, uh, you know, sets uh, you know uh, sets a schedule and and uh, uh, sets an agenda, and he says he's going to do stuff. And wouldn't you know it, he you know delivers on those. Maybe I'll you know maybe I'll just let him kind of work the way he works then, right? Yep. Versus ver, you know versus uh, you know having having it go a different way. So I I think that um, uh, uh, there's there's kind of this like a like kind of a cir- circular power in uh, in in uh, setting y- your uh, your own um, kind of setting your own intention, setting your schedule, and then delivering on what you say you're going to do. Um, usually sets you up to kind of continue to do that uh, in 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 a, in a corporate setting or, mm-hmm. or, or really anywhere, uh, anywhere. You're really talking about being responsible and having integrity. And I think that's, you know, I think it's just, it's easier to complain about the amount of meetings that you've got. It's easier to complain about your ridiculous schedule. It's easier to complain about how many tickets that you have versus taking responsibility for it, going to your management team and saying, Hey, I'll play a 30 day game with you. Let me clear my schedule of some of this extraneous collaboration work so that I can focus and I promise you that I'll double my performance. If people would take that on, I think not only would their performance increase, but their level of engagement and therefore their happiness, their ability to get into flow while they're at work, which is your number one shot at getting into flows in your workday, would go through the roof. The question is, do people have the courage to be responsible for their performance versus being a victim of time?